right, welcome viewers and listeners. Today we have a special guest for this special episode. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased to announce that Mr. Adil Iqbal has joined us and I would like to give a brief introduction about uh, our guest today for the audience benefit. Uh, Mr. Adil Iqbal is a PhD candidate at the University of Brunei Darussalam with his area of research in globalization, which is exactly the topic that we would like to discuss today with him today. So without any further ado, uh, Mr. Adikbal, thank you so much for joining. I hope you're feeling thank well. Thank you for having and, me. And uh, uh, so I, I would like to, I was very interested when I found out about you that your, your main area of research is globalization. So globalization and its impacts and effects is something that I myself always tried to understand, but it's it's a huge topic. It's a vast topic. So for us and for the audience, can you give us an overview of your research and your understandings of what globalization is? Thank you very much, Salman, for having me. I truly feel delighted. Uh, let me tell you one thing that I'm your big fan. I'm seeing your work on YouTube and I'm, 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 I'm always read your poetry and uh, the approach you have towards the realities of life. And I truly appreciate and I myself learn from your thoughts and wisdom. So thank you for having me here. Uh, now, globalization. Yes, uh, this is uh, my research interest and I'm pursuing my PhD research in the same topic. Uh, more specifically, my research is on the impact of globalization uh, on Muslim culture. So from the very topic, you can understand that it's a big topic. Uh, because the ideas like uh, culture and uh, processes like globalization, they, they are sometimes very intricate, complex, and multifaceted. It's very difficult to define them, particularly with the, uh, as you asked me to define globalization, and I would like to uh, tell you that the idea, the idea and concept of globalization uh, still faces uh, definitional dilemmas. Many tourists have come up with their own uh, definitions. I have my own definition. Uh, my definition, uh, what I personally assume is the most simplest one in the entire world and approximately uh, among the globalization literature, although I haven't read all of it because it's uh, given this single life I have, it must be very difficult. Uh, globalization simply is a process and uh, it is, a positive process and a negative process. It depends on the recipients. It depends who's on the other side. Uh, for the developed countries, uh, the globalization outcomes can be different. For the underdeveloped countries or developing countries, the outcomes can be different. So the purpose to tell you this is that globalization is different to different people. Globalization is different to different countries. It, de it depends Globalization is interacting with whom, right? Mm -hmm. So globalization is a historical process. It is a mutual interaction and uh, communication between different entities, nations, civilizations, communities, ethnicities, and, mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, and it's also uh, because I am a Muslim. Uh, so as per uh, my religious beliefs, uh, globalization has its roots in religion as well. Because as per my holy book, uh, Allah says to that I have created you in different tribes and colors and caste and creeds to interact with each other. Mm -hmm. So that's why it is that mankind is destined to interact with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, today, globalization is, uh, is, uh, is, is at the forefront because of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, 
Uh, many of the globalization theorists have come up with the philosophy that because of the globalization, the pandemic has spread so much because of the telecommunication means, star transportation means, uh, globalization offers. As you know that the COVID-19, the coronavirus originated in some certain country, but within span of some time, uh, it was uh, able to spread all across the world. Uh, and it uh, uh, through the same means of communication, air, land, and sea, and virus was everywhere. And uh, today it's the biggest, one of the biggest problems for the mankind. So here you see the tools and means and facilities of globalization, which we use to ease our lives, like communication and transportation, they can become bane for us, mm -hmm. like spread of uh, uh, pandemic, like uh, similarly the ideological spread, the spread of uh, uh, diseases, uh, uh, extremism, uh, global warming, and so on. So it is the meaning of and definition of globalization is different to different people. For me, it's a process and uh, it's, it, it can be very beneficial process. It, it helped mm -hmm. a lot throughout history to reduce the poverty rates, unemployment rates. Globalization had, has excelled industrial revolutions. It has brought prosperity and development to nations. But other than that, it has created inequality as well. It has created uh, climate problems as well. And uh, the growth, the global growth is not equal uh, for everyone. So I hope I'm able to highlight different facets mm -hmm. of globalization, including so you mentioned, some idea. You mentioned uh, at the very end, you mentioned uh, that how it, it you, like it starts with the main problem called globalization, but it slowly fades into other problems like, uh, let's say, hatred, racism, uh, financial crisis and things like that. So what I'm what I'm trying to understand is that are these problems, these social factors, uh, impacted through globalization or they're just more highlighted to, through globalization? Of course, globalization brought uh, means of media mm -hmm. and means of communication and internet. And it, it enabled us to connect with each other. It enabled civilizations and communities and ethnic cities and nations to get connected with each other. So we as recipient of globalization process were able to see how other people are living in other societies and other cultures and other countries, what benefits they have and we don't mm -hmm. have. So we were able to compare ourselves with other cultures and societies. So there, with the time, started to develop some sense of uh, uh, either superiority or inferiority yeah. complex. Mm -hmm. Like you see the, these days uh, uh, because the, of the spread of uh, uh, Islamophobia, and how the media presents and shapes uh, a public image of a certain religion. And uh, all these uh, issues, uh, globalization globalization intentionally and unintentionally, accidentally, or, or any way, it has aided, aided uh, mm -hmm. spread of such phobias. Uh, and so you, 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 also mentioned, you also mentioned about, uh, about how this, this is not one-sided process right it's because the general idea of what we get from globalization is that there's a certain uh, let's say certain part of the world and when you say globalization even though the way you, you explained it the very definition means like like the it, i believe the phrase the world is a global village comes from the same idea 
So in, in the expression itself is neutral. It just means that the world is connected more. But the general trend we see, like you were talking about the inferiority complex and the superiority complex, the general trend we see is that some nations, uh, some nations acquire a superiority complex that, that are on the giving end. And the other nations who are on the receiving end, they develop an inferiority complex. So keeping this trend in mind, how would we still say that it's it's not a one-sided process? Like if we are if 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 a certain nation or certain part of the world is on the receiving end, so does that receiving end also somehow impact the giving end? Uh, the part of the world you are referring who are on the receiving end, they are not receiving as much as they deserve. Mm -hmm. So theoretically, globalization should not be a uh, un unequal uh, process, but it has unfortunately it has become. Uh, because the flow of globalization is definitely coming from the one specific part of the world to the other part of the world. Uh, the developed countries uh, today, they are controlling globalization through uh, their media. Can you some through, more light on what would be the reason that certain countries or certain part of the world is on the giving end and the other part is on the receiving end? What would do you think is the reason? Uh, well, I personally feel because they are the enablers of change. They are the trendsetters. Okay. Okay. They are they are the generator of new ideas and new technologies. Mm -hmm. They are strong economies. Mm -hmm. So they can cause change. Like a few years back, if you remember when there was a, a Ebola outbreak in Africa and the world was in a similar situation as it was uh, today. And there was an issue of uh, developing a consensus and generating a fund. Uh, those days, I remember uh, uh, U.S. administration was headed by President Obama and uh, the U.S. administration played a very active role in containment of Obama, uh, uh, that uh, uh, epidemic, and they were able to generate funds worth billions of dollars. I don't think today anyone has that influence and power which can generate so much uh, uh, big amount of money to tackle uh, uh, issues facing mankind. So definitely the flow of globalization uh, is uh, coming from some, some developed countries and uh, their systems and institutions are very strong and very effective. Uh, and further, there are international financial institutions like IMF, World Bank, and so on. So the system of, uh, to put in a very political science sense that uh, the system of capitalism has become so dominating uh, and there is no alternate actually. We don't have any alternate. Uh, we have tried and tested various philosophies after the end of Second World War, like socialism, mixed economic system, Islamic economic system, and they have their own uh, positives and negatives. But today, I, being a student of religious sciences, uh, very strongly feel that uh, we don't have any alternative to capitalism, and it's very effective. Mm -hmm. okay, okay. So would you say that as much as, let's just say, practical capitalism is, or as much as like that is the only system that is you know working with all its parts and even though it has its own problems in dark areas but would you say that in a world designed to be a global world uh, capitalism is like the only system that can that can sustain that can that can work because the way i see is that when we when we look at capitalism in one area, in one country, that's usually the framework we use for capitalism. So we say, oh, the rich and the poor in one country. But if you expand it to a global scale, then that instead of people, that becomes countries, the rich countries and the 
poor countries. So do you think like as much as, as globalization has facilitated capitalism to the extent that now it has become a global system? Of course, capitalism and neoliberalism, <coughs> apologies, capitalism and neoliberalism as a foundational philosophies of globalization. So it is globalization itself run on these principles where the profit maximization is, uh, is, is, the, is the topmost objective. Uh, and you know how neoliberalism and capitalism operate. They ask and they demand for very less interference from the state because uh, at the end they have to promote trade liberalization. So you cannot promote, uh, you cannot have effective trade liberalization if the state is interfering so much. So there mm -hmm. needs to be a development of free market economy, trade liberalization, neoliberalism. So all these uh, uh, philosophies, they ask and demand for less and less interference from the state. It is really so, interesting that you have brought up uh, the, the idea of the interference of state and how much freedom any person uh, is given or any uh, state is given. Because I believe that is that, that idea is very central to the concept of capitalism. And this is this is why I want to know more about when we see capitalism becoming the the global system that all the countries are using. So in in, in a in a country framework in within one country we say that the state is this government of the country and that that is the interference that they would have. Who who would you think is the central authority on a global scale that could that could monitor or police the entire let's say the world or the countries? Theoretically, theoretically, uh, every country has their own system of government and they have their own system of uh, state and institutions which they use to run the affairs. Uh, but internationally, we have a world, uh, we have a United Nations. Uh, we have a lot of international institutions uh, where everyone can collaborate with each other and the uh, uh, difficulties and issues facing mankind, they can brought there and can be discussed. But uh, I personally, and very frankly feel that uh, I don't see anyone more influential today than Facebook, mm -hmm. than Amazon, than WhatsApp and uh, the Elon Musk, you know, he's uh, mm -hmm. I, the, this this year, a lot of international magazines have declared Elon Musk man of the year. And he is not someone who is a head of a state or he is not heading any in international institution. He's a businessman. Mm -hmm. So he's that's the same thing that we see that the involvement of capitalists in, in, in global affairs, you think that's maximizing? You need to realize intellectually the day, the day Jeff Bezos entered space. Uh, you remember Jeff Bezos and other yeah. uh, billionaires. These days we have a billionaire races actually going yeah. on, which are as dramatic and as glamorous as Hollywood movies are. So mm -hmm. sometime back, uh, I read somewhere that Jeff, Jeff Bezos is the first industrialist, uh, a billionaire to enter space. And he has his own plans uh, for space exploration and tourism. So that was not only Jeff Bezos. It was not about Jeff Bezos entering uh, uh, space. It was uh, also the entrance of capitalism in, in space exploration and affairs mm -hmm. and space tourism. So you see how the process of inter industrialization has now entered in space. Mm -hmm. So, so would you then also relate... Would you then also relate and connect the concept of industrialization to globalization? How closely are yes. these two connected? 
they they are uh, they are their relationship is as strong as as our soul is to our body okay. industrial revolutions mm-hmm. are engine of globalization mm-hmm. if you remember during uh, from 1830s till uh, 1920s well nearly almost all of the islamic world was colonized with exception to uh, turkey iran and saudi arabia so what was happening from the colonized muslim lands the raw material was going in europe so the engine of industrialization can move strongly because mm-hmm. they they were coming big global wars mm-hmm. so industrialization is another another thing uh, uh, so that specific period that you mentioned uh, and i think i would agree any any student of history would agree that there is a certain period of history where we see a certain certain continent of the world or certain nations of the world rapidly increasing the the uh, global industrialization or the uh, the introduction of machinery and everything so that that is what gave them an edge that was so much far away than the rest of the world so would you say and that connects to technological advancements so then we should yes yes salman uh, that's a very good connection you have developed uh, and i totally agree with that but we should not miss another uh, another one of the most important historical uh, realities well all when this was happening industrial revolution and the process of globalization expansion of this process and expansion of capitalism uh, we should we should look more deeply what mm-hmm. what what we got we got uh, hundreds and hundreds hundreds and hundreds years of colonialism mm-hmm. where people were enslaved and they were pushed into labor and they were pushed to produce uh, on the desires of colonial masters mm-hmm. and uh, colonialism is the one of the major parts of world history so but at the back of it colonialism, colonialism itself is different to different people uh, those who were colonial masters they aimed to civilize the civilized the uncivilized mm-hmm. if you remember white man's burden and uh, uh, and still even colonialism still still is continuing in different forms and different shades uh, the sense of inequality uh, injustice the rising uh, unemployment and poverty rates the hunger disease mm-hmm. uh, even you see today uh, the the vaccines for covid-19 uh, pandemic they are not equally distrib- distributed to every countries it's power politics again so we we, uh, we do received we i will not say this that we were recipients of industrial revolutions and globalization we received benefits of it we were exposed to technology which which brought comfort to our lives mm-hmm. but we paid paid a heavy cost of it we were we were never able we were not we didn't received uh, equal benefits rather mm-hmm. we received more debt more burden and uh, more problems for our socio economic systems okay, especially the developed and developed countries yeah so for for somebody of uh, like my generation we have half the picture so like as soon as we open the eyes the world has already been developed into a global village so before i can even grasp to realize the impact that it is happening because it's normal for me that's that's the environment i grew up in so i i want to discuss more on on the impact but i think it's crucial that even though i understand that uh, we we can say technological advancement and industrialization is one of the key factors but if one asks why is it that only those countries are the ones who benefited or produced that mass level of industrialization 
So that all goes to the, the reasoning as to why globalization came into existence in the first place. Can you shed some more light on that? Uh, having said everything, and uh, your views also, uh, as I said, I said something when I was discussing with you the capitalism, I used the word alternate. Mm -hmm. I feel that the mankind today, although I'm a, I myself is a student, I'm also a teacher, uh, and I have a very limited knowledge on things, and I'm always very uh, uh, advocate that uh, in order to make arguments, you need to have a full knowledge of it. I don't claim to have a full knowledge of it, and I try always try to avoid making dramatic statements. But given my limited knowledge, I still can comfortably say that uh, mankind don't currently they don't have any alternate alternate to capitalism alternate to globalization any other way or process where mankind can interact with each other so if we have to interact with with each other for the mutual benefit <coughs> apologies if we have to interact with each other for mutual benefits that will have its own ideological basis that will have own motivations and interest because if I'm interacting with you, I should get something. Okay. So our interaction, it can be of economic, political, cultural, or religious nature, but it should benefit both of us. Mm -hmm. But given today, even Europe itself has realized uh, keeping the amount of inequality. Now, Salman, you should you should think uh, why why less than one percent of the world has has occupied more than 80% of world's wealth. That's 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 very easy to understand. Here lies the inequality. What, few of the Middle Eastern countries uh, where we have seen, I will not name them, where we have witnessed so much war and bloodshed, they have huge resources, huge, huge natural reserves of oil. But mm -hmm. still there is so much bloodshed there, so much war there, why? So much hunger. Mm -hmm. Look what's happening in Afghanistan now, mm -hmm. invaded one and after another uh, throughout the history and what it has become. So why the process of industrialization and capitalism, if, if they were there, that much blessing, which the, yeah. the Western theorists claim, why countries are in that deplorable condition mm -hmm. today? Why they were not able to remove hunger and poverty and disease? So because we were told the that they had no alternatives. Go ahead, go ahead. Because after the Second World War, uh, we were offered a choice. Either we go with socialism or we go with capitalism. And there was a war eventually in that long war. Uh, capitalism won with the 1992 disintegration of Soviet Union. And there was a last man standing. Uh, capitalism, the neoliberal philosophy. And the world was a happy place and perfect mm -hmm. as the capitalist theorists and as the, as the Western authors claim. But the world never became that, that a place of, of happiness. Mm -hmm. The problems, the human sufferings. After uh, 2011, we have a wave of extremism and terrorism and millions of people lost their lives. We need a system in this world which can address effectively and equally our problems. So I want to discuss both more equally, about both the for solutions that you know we, we can at least theorize. But I think it's essential to, before we actually like jump to the solutions, I think it's essential to understand what are the current impacts uh, who are the ones who are actually like how does it impact the ones like we said on the giving end and how does it impact the ones on the receiving end so what is the impact of globalization on different countries and different religious and ethnic groups impact varies 
impact varies. Uh, I'm I'm from Pakistan, and I I can comment on that. Uh, being from this country, I'm uh, I'm not sure how how uh, other countries has received the impacts of uh, mm-hmm. of globalization. Uh, from the land I belong, uh, globalization has impacted us in a lot of good ways, and globalization has impacted us also in few negative ways particularly our social cultural uh, values and religious values uh, that is also too because of uh, the means of media internet and so on but uh, g- given my research of last 3 years i cannot uh, blame globalization exclusively for that because how the countries are interacting with globalization it also depends on their own socio economic and political conditions whether they are in position to take full advantage and benefit of globalization process or not so a lot of things were happening in this uh, in in my country and because of the socio economic uh, conditions and but still uh, pakistan ha- has remained a very responsible member of uh, international community uh, has acted so well uh, with with uh, in relations with other countries very active member of united nations and active past- participant of economic projects uh now these days we have uh, a good good collaboration and understanding with our chinese counterparts they have investing so much in pakistan and i hope and pray good things come to people of my country hopefully you mentioned you mentioned that uh not every nation or group has been able to receive globalization in the same way so we know that the impact varies but you all, that also implies that uh, for example the benefits so everybody has not been able to achieve or uh, to to harvest the benefits of globalization in the same way so essentially the way i see it is it's it's an issue of compatibility because like we discussed globalization heavily heavily relies on on the system of capitalism of one sort or another so would you say that it's it's that compatibility that since in since the giving nations are capitalist and they they want a system of capitalism to be in the countries that that are there on the receiving end and hence why we see yes. countries that disagree with the capitalistic philosophies for example the the countries that would try to empower communism or other uh, ideologies they they have a certain clash with the the major powers of the world uh, you have given a very poetic uh, explanation and uh, and how you have covered the entire situation uh, and i would would largely appreciate and agree with that uh but there is always a method in madness uh mm-hmm. in a globalized world there are ways and means of doing things they are not as blunt as we can be because there is a system as i told you globalization is a system is a very resilient very intelligent uh system which is surviving generations after generations wars after wars so system of capitalism and system of globalization is surviving and thriving very well Uh, why because it's very resilient so there are institutions they have their set system of protocols and and uh, how they work like when you take a, when you take a financial uh, help from international monetary fund or world bank you take a loan uh, you have to sign certain documents you have to adjust your system uh, commonly they are known as uh, uh, washington consensus it's a set of terms and condition when you take loan from these financial institutions you have to liberalize your system mm-hmm. you have to liberalize your system you have to promote privatization you have to downsize certain things you have to listen to these financial institutions mm-hmm. sometimes you may not like it 
but you still have to do it because you are at the receiving end you are receiving money in in after when you you meet the criteria and you you change your own system and liberalize your your economic conditions so, so these I, are I, the I think I agree that the like this entire scenario of the capitalistic giving hand accepting expecting certain conditions to be met and uh, you know that's how we know in the modern world that's how the system of favors work so when they do a favor they expect certain things to be met that, that but we want to discuss the idea of because when we're talking about social media the whole idea of social media is uh, what what uh, in in a more philosophical sense we call decentralization so like when we discuss the the giving hand and the receiving hand so we we assume that a certain certain part of the world or a certain person or institution is the authority right that must be followed so we, now we see that there there are there are some movements some efforts that focus on decentralization so for example social media is one so previously uh, for your voice to be voiced out you you would need so much effort but now it's way easier you know it's way easier and anybody any part of the world with minimum basic requirements he can voice out his voice to the world and we have seen it in the past how this this voicing out has affected the world in both positive and negative senses cryptocurrency is one of uh, other aspects of the world where we see decentralization happening so the way i like to see it is like where globalization tries to connect the entire world and we discussed that theoretically that connection should be neutral but what has practically happened is that one side became the receiving end the other side became the giving end oh, so, so do, you, do you think that these the the idea of decentralization that the world trend has been going towards that can come make us closer to the theoretical idea of neutral globalization uh, but that that uh, decentralization is not neutral that decentralization mm-hmm. is not neutral uh, every day you see twitter uh, taking down accounts of okay. people um, they okay. deem uh, those people who are saying things and twitter don't uh, deem that appropriate okay. it's very selective uh, youtube take down uh, pages and uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. so it's not neutral of I, i accept that that they are they have uh, given people the, the population of the world uh, greater chances to express themselves to align themselves with the global thought with the global audience but that's not neutral Mm-hmm. Uh, um and if 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 uh, too much to because there are people who have observed that they, 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 the system is not playing neutral it's not playing fair from social media to trade rules okay uh, mm-hmm. recently you have seen uh, seen the the the, the uh, during the trump administration we had a very square uh, trade war between us and china yeah. and uh, yeah. that the, how the embargoes were uh, and were placed on each other and how the us trade they were using employing the trade rules on on chinese counterpart fundamentally it was about how it started that there was a chinese mobile uh, communication company and the american mobile communication company and there was a competition between that and the american counterparts they missed they placed some objection and they even arrested the chief financial officer of that uh, particular company i don't want to name anyone uh, so you see those who have edge on technology those who have access and uh, and power to do so they they are using all this in their own advantage mm-hmm. uh, so you would say that it's it's not completely decentralized it's still the backhand is still capitalistic or authoritative yes of course 
but it's it's a, it's a open field for everyone we mm-hmm. no one has pushed us or forced us to become part of the global world it's an individual choice you still mm-hmm. can log off your social media accounts and go and live in isolation uh, isolate yourself from everyone we, we no one has pushed us it's our individual choice like us countries are making their own choices as well to be part of the system no one mm-hmm. is forcing them mm-hmm. it's at the end of a day that's why i say we cannot uh, uh, we cannot claim that all the globalization is a source of all ills in the world no it's not we cannot claim that because if i decided to be part of a globalized process i decided to live as a global citizen that was my choice actually mm-hmm. no one forced no one forced me to make a youtube account and whatsapp account i did it myself that's how countries are also behaving they want mm-hmm. to be part of the system mm-hmm. no one wants to be left behind no one wants no one can afford to live uh, as isolationist even countries or communities or ethnicity so everyone wants to be a part of this process but when we become part of this process we have to upgrade the game we have yeah. to upgrade and strengthen yeah. our institutions and values so we can interact with other countries and other systems confidently and honorably but mm-hmm. unfortunately mm-hmm. not all countries have those effective mechanism and institutions so naturally they are as at the at the losing end so theoretically if you if you say that several different countries so uh, and the and the context is that when i see european countries i see that even though they are geographically tiny but like they'll be they'll be landlocked and just next to each other but say france will be speaking its own language and italy and uh, other countries next to it spain and uh, uk and all of them they will be speaking their own languages they'll have their own brands they'll have their own systems so theoretically speaking would you say that if the individual uh, the individual uh, authorities and institutions of the countries are strong enough to to sustain their own identities then uh, the globalizational effect will not be one sided it will be more neutral it can be if that happens then we'll see it's not happening now uh and what happens in the future we are not sure but that the point you have raised is very important to preserve one's identity in this global age is very very important mm-hmm. if you will not prevent your social cultural values and identity and your religious beliefs what will become uh you will be homogenized you will converge with the with the more dominating civilization mm-hmm. and you are you are a, a israeli historian you all hurry has already predicted a rise of a technological civilization which mm-hmm. has which is a result of lot of ethnicities nationalities and civilizations have homogenized and become one civilization so the idea of diversity which i quoted in the beginning of this talk that the the quranic idea of diversity when allah says that i have created tribes and colors and different peoples so you know each other the idea of that that the idea of that diversity will be destroyed if mm-hmm. all if 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 we are we have to homogenized into a single civilization we will not be unique mm-hmm. i'm 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 from pakistan as a, as a pakistani uh, citizen i have my own socio cultural uh, traits my own heritage my own history my own past and future like you and everyone so but how i am being slowly and gradually Uh, homogenized being homogenized in into a global citizenship 
So I think like, the 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 idea of a medium of English. We are mm -hmm. using all the technology. So how we are slowly and becoming because I we are not able to produce something the unique ideas the unique technologies. So we are dependent on the system on the globalized system. We are becoming a recipient of that system, and in doing so, doing so gradually, gradually we are losing our own identity. We'll become like them. So you mentioned the idea of diversity and how it's important to preserve diversity, and I think that brings about the the idea of representation that recently has been. We see it in all corners of the world that uh, that neutral or central authorities or central uh, representations should be more diverse. So, like for example, Hollywood or anything that the entire world watches, anything that is a global platform, must be diverse enough that it represents all different diversities. So, like, do you do you think that's a good idea? Do you agree with that? Is that practically possible? And like uh, the efforts that are currently being done. To, to present diversity, are they any good? I agree with every idea which preserves and respects and accepts diversity, mm -hmm. because as a student of history, I have seen throughout history a dominant culture, a, a powerful culture, will always dominate or eat up a smaller, smaller, less dominant cultures. That's a historical phenomena. Phenomena. Nothing has changed. We should not forget the theory of evolution, evolution by Charles Darwin. It's a survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. That's what has happened throughout history. The powerful will always occupy, dominate, or eat the less powerful. That's the entire history. How how is the history is progressing? Mm -hmm. That's what is actual actual in in actuality. The colonialism was those with superior technology, weapons, and manpower, well trained, educated. They were. sent to dominate less civilized society that was very tragic it should not have happened so i support and i fully agree with any idea which preserves uh, diversity which respects diversity which gives everyone its equal rights it's mm, not I, up I to really, me i really like how you mentioned uh, the idea of uh, diversity being important not only because uh you know it's the individuals feelings and things like that like that's one component of it but the other component is also that diversity plays an important part in 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 the survival so because and and i mentioned that because the modern idea is that uh, we we talk about unity so globalization is well world unity the entire human beings uh, uniting together and theoretically speaking and in many ways it's practically proven that when we unite let's say that the entire world unites right into one theoretical nation we know that we can produce uh, more technology we can produce more uh, technology more advancements more tools and skills so if if theoretically the globalization was not what was like in like 16th century or 18th century where one person would become so powerful or so much on the giving hand that the other person would be in in an inferiority complex or in a in a, in, in a more violent uh, or tragic situation like we have seen but if it was more like uh, the the giving hand provides facilities and opportunities for the receiving hand to be at the same level so would you say that theoretically that that uh, idea of globalization is possible of course why not why not and given today you have seen the inequality and injustice resulting from the system of globalization has produced so much reaction 
mm-hmm. has produced so much reaction and extremism. So, um, more recently, in what happened, the events of 2001 and the subsequent launch of war on ter- terrorism, fundamentally, what what the, the terrorists claimed, they claimed that their actions are because of the injustice. Mm-hmm. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what uh, on 25th May 2020, when uh, the the person was killed in the United States, uh, and uh, what was that event, Salman? If you can help me, uh, there was uh, yeah, George Floyd. When the on 25th May 2020, that unfortunate event happened. When the mm-hmm. police cop put his knee on the neck of George Floyd, what he said, you remember his sentence? He said, "I can't breathe." Mm-hmm. I can't breathe. And m- m- nearly 50 years earlier, the France, the France Fanon, the famous colonial, uh, the famous psychologist and cl- theorist on colonialism, he wrote in his book that the un- injustice in the system makes him unable br- to breathe. Oh, okay. okay. That's that's, okay. that's okay. where the past becomes future and the past become present. Mm-hmm. The, the the inequality, injustice, and uh, all this, what we have discussed, it has produced a severe reaction in today's world. Mm-hmm. It has produced a severe reaction in form of extremism, in form of uh, other, other, other. Th- those who, the people who are saying, look, look at the how every year when they have a G8 meeting in 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 the heart of Europe somewhere, thousands and thousands of people gather to protest on the excesses of developed and these these uh, economies. Greta Thunberg. Look, the climate activist. What, what we have done? What the process of industrialization has done to the mother nature? Mm-hmm. Even the rising sea levels now, because of the global warming, are causing uh, the drowning of Maldives. And we are on the verge of le- losing the entire civilization just because of the rising sea levels, which are fundamentally because our ecosystem has become so warm. Why? Because the developed countries are. Producing so much C- so much CO two in our system, and they are not even accepting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the Trump administration, President Trump formally withdrew from the climate change uh, negotiations. So you see, you see who are the leading producers of carbon dioxide gas in our ecosystem? The industrial the industrial countries. We have nothing to do with that. The poor countries, the underdeveloped countries we already don't have much industrialization what we have to do with the global warming but we are paying the price of it we are and our coming generations will pay the price of it so okay i again repeat industrialization globalization they brought some comforts to the mankind but at a huge cost and now we realize now so i am truly feel i truly feel ashamed how i'll face my future generations when they will look at me and question me what i left what type of world i left for them Full with misery, hunger, and poverty, and unemployment, and uncontrollable pandemic. This sh- this was not supposed to be a future of mankind. But and now again, those who have the resources, now those one person who have the resources, they are now going into the space, finding another homeland for mankind. That's mm-hmm. that's that's unfair. Because I cannot afford a ticket to Mars. Neither can you. So who will go to Mars then? Whoever will go there, they can afford that. Leaving me behind to die here on the earth. You remember a very famous dialogue from the famous movie Interstellar, in which uh, Cooper, the leading character of the movie, what he said. He said, "We were born on Earth, but we were not supposed to die on Earth." 
but millions will die because of the mistakes and and the negative consequences of rising from the process of globalization and industrialization but how would you say like because when we talk about the negative effects we 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 agree that some of them are brought by external factors also like you know internal economical crises and clashes and inflation the internal that have nothing to do with globalization that have less to do globalization so how much how much do you think there is truth to the statement that globalization actually aims to help the poorer countries to become more stabilized yes that's 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 something we have to also consider we cannot ignore that we cannot ignore that the process of globalization has truly uh, brought as i said earlier already it has brought comfort and convenience and benefits to the uh, uh, other parts of the world there's no doubt about that Mm-hmm. but due to the inherent weaknesses of the countries of their systems especially those are underdeveloped and developing inherent weaknesses of their systems and and they are they are unable to receive the full advantage and full benefit full benefit of the globalization process so my expectation theoretically was then the pro, then the process of globalization should have addressed this limitations of uh, the country mm-hmm. the different countries mm-hmm. but once again it does it not but once again do we know because we discussed that globalization has has a certain when the giving and give giving hand gives it has a certain expectations so once again like you mentioned that some countries and some parts of the world cannot fully receive the positives of the globalization so i'm interested in how what, what is the reason that they cannot receive those is it because they cannot meet the expectations of the of the more western the reason, countries the reason is simple the reason is very simple in my understanding the voices of there is there, we need a democracy among mm-hmm. the voices of globalization we need equal representation of those nations and countries as well globalization is not a a, a issue which which is supposed to be managed by less than 10 countries the powerful countries the g8 countries the developed countries less than 10 or less than uh, 20 for instance so we need to make globalization more democratic where mm-hmm. everyone can be equally represented and equally heard and the general the general grievances of people should be addressed so the globalization process currently is not very democratic mm-hmm. there are people they gather every year in the swiss mountains of alps and they discuss we commonly known as uh, the event of world economic summit so mm-hmm. and those gatherings it should have a equal representation and fair chance of representation should be given to every uh, country involved with the globalization pro- process we need to bring democracy within the globalization process so all the all the justified grievances they should be addressed effectively Yes, I and think those who like are you on a... like you mentioned earlier that uh, no, even if we choose to not be a part of globalization, we will still be impacted by it. So uh, you know, if you're being impacted by it, we must have a say in it. Must have a say in it, and if you have any grievances, the system of globalization and it should address that. Mm-hmm. It should address that. So globalization becomes a beautiful journey for everyone. Globalization. 
should be a source of happiness it should not be a source of division and i think the world has that wisdom the developed countries they have that wisdom they have that power and influence where they can create happiness and and blessings for everyone but it depends what agenda and what objectives they are following and i hope there are voices of sanity i hope there are voices of wisdom among our those brotherly countries of the west and europe and they can do good for 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 the mankind and let's hope that happens and uh, everyone should have a say uh, it's it, those who are living in this world this world belongs to them it's, it do not belong to certain group of people only it, i i was born here i will die here this world belongs equally to me and all the people living whether they have anything to eat or they don't have anything to eat the world belongs to equally to them as well so in in your in your research in your findings as of now uh, because we discussed that there are evidently both uh, positives and negatives of globalization so in in your uh, current findings do you think that a system theoretical and you know maybe we can make amends towards it but a theoretical system of globalization can practically work and you know uh, let's just say that theoretically or as of right now does the positives outweigh the negatives of globalization or the other way around it can happen and we have to because we have no alternate mm. globalization the system of globalization and system of uh, the, the 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 philosophy of capitalism we don't have any effective alternate for that as of now so these should work for the betterment of mankind and the for the creation of happiness uh, as as far as i don't see any effective alternate to these systems globalization has represents a system which is in place even even with the, since the advent of time since the mm-hmm. advent of time so we don't have any other and that will continue that will continue we have to make this system more democratic so it can everyone can can enjoy the benefits of it and uh, there should be no power politics uh, because the the challenges facing mankind and challenges and cr- the, the difficulties facing mankind today only working together is the solution uh, if you will not work together like you have seen as the world has shown some promise that uh, what to address the problem of covid-19 pandemic everyone has worked yeah. together with each other yeah. developed countries have worked with underdeveloped countries and it has presented a very beautiful effort and resilient effort in order to counter the covid-19 pandemic that type of spirit and vigor we need and uh, i i i personally i am a strong activist with the reason should lead the wisdom should lead and uh, those who have reason and wisdom and they have shown throughout the history of of being enabler of change and uh, uh, and producers of good technology which can bring ease and comfort to people i don't mind given them leadership they can lead but uh, it should uh, should address everyone concern and we need consensus we need joint efforts and the problem problem the solution to our problems lies in working together so uh, i like so, how you mentioned you mentioned earlier that um, the the uh, the impact that the globalization will make will you know evidently uh, impact other countries whether they choose to be a part of it or not so does that mean that Uh, once again diversity and discrete because the way i see it when when globalization happens whether it's neutral or not it is going to erode away some uh, discrete identities and ethnicities so do you think it's just you know it's it's natural it's bound to happen 
it's not natural it's not natural uh it's unnatural to me uh as i said uh, uh, already that globalization has has caused some homogenization and convergence of cultures and our dominant culture is is has started to appear which is more technological in its nature so that convergence and homogenization should not take place we need to preserve diversity um in even in pakistan a uh, lot of indigenous uh, local languages have disappeared because of the dominance of english only and you see the english has become a very dominant language in the world today but but and, when, uh, when, as, when when one presents this argument that okay there is a certain village that speaks a language that not many people in the world speak so if this certain village uh let's say learns english so they will have better job perspective they'll have better uh, opportunities to better lifestyles so that that is like saying that if if you if you let if you trade away your discreteness if you trade away your culture then you can essentially uh, get a better lifestyle so do you, do you think that it's it's a deal that's not worth it yes of course that's not worth it but I, as again i told you before that globalization is different to different people so it depends mm-hmm. on that 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 community that how much how big sacrifice they can make to enjoy the benefits of globalization mm-hmm. it's it's an individual choice uh, but uh, some sacrifices has to be made and people are making that but it's up to them uh, personally for me as a student of religious sciences i strongly i'm a strong advocate of preservation of culture and religious values and custom i'm a strong advocate of that i don't feel i will never agree with to in order to just receive benefits of globalization and a modern day world you are able to sacrifice and compromise on your values no never i i that's not so that's in, not in a, uh, in a theoretical globalization in a theoretically neutral globalization a village or a country should be able to participate and benefit from globalization without giving yes. up their language yes without it should it should uh, it, it, the, the search some some amount of influence will always be there because when mm. civilizations interact with each other they also mm. affect and influence each other so yeah. some amount of natural influence on both sides would be there but that's natural okay but the consistent organized a methodological effort to dominate other culture it should be prevented we have okay. seen in the history of colonialism what happened entirely foreign particular educational system was in placed on uh, colonized lands so we have seen in the history so that's not something desirable that's not that's not what w- what benefits mankind mm-hmm. it rather creates more pain it rather produces more reaction and you see the history of how how the history of colonialism has changed the landscape of the world most of the modern nation states they result they they were born out of colonialism yes sometimes they are not natural sometimes the they are not natural but the way i understand but the way i understand is that uh, centralization or having a common ground is one of the key components of globalization to exist so for example for different countries to globalize to live in harmony or to work in harmony they must for example uh, speak the same language so do you think it's not uh, it's not you know there is no other choice it's natural that there will be one centralized language or culture that will let's say dominate so so what i'm trying to say is that do you think globalization because it globalization must have a centralized system 
and that centralized system will be of some culture and then arguably that culture has dominated and prevailed over the rest of the world so do you think that's not that's not a byproduct of globalization that's a very ideal situation and that's a very theoretical situation and we should not forget that to, in, order, in order to preserve the local culture in order to preserve local languages it's more responsibility of the of the governments than globalization forces Mm-hmm. so it is it is a more domestic issue uh, I, I as i as I, i already said i am also a strong advocate of globalization but to pre- prevent your culture from foreign mm-hmm. ideologies foreign culture um, mm-hmm. it's a responsibility of people themselves it, it's on people that how much they 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 are doing to preserve their own culture and languages because globalization is a big power globalization is coming with full, full force and a great impact mm-hmm. you see so you even think the, it's inevitable it's the the process is not rever- i will not use word inevitable either but the process of globalization is not reversible although covid-19 time pandemic has challenged the effectiveness of globalization but i personally feel since uh, as I, i i shared with you that globalization is a very resilient uh, process it has survived world wars it have survived natural calamities it has survived cold wars and so on yes, but globalization that's something yeah. that i think it's it's very clear over the course of history that one yes. way or another some form of globalization has always existed always it because it's very adaptive it's very, it's always keeps on evolving so is the system of capitalism capitalism has become very very is is, is evolving and it adjusts to changing realities very well so the system of globalization and these philosophies they are very dynamic so why they are succeeding and why they don't have any effective alternate now because uh, they are very resilient systems and very adaptive okay i think i, I agree that you know they they because and they have existed for so long because they are adaptive but yes, yes, uh, but but if yeah but uh, you should not undermine with this we cannot undermine the importance of regionalism Mm-hmm. there is a strong sense of regionalism uh, like yeah. we have seen european union there's a organization of islamic countries in asean and so much so we have seen some some sparks in regionalism as well let's see in future if the if the countries move, move more towards regionalism because they are now realizing the the the, the risks and vulnerabilities resulting from globalization let's hope in future things So countries may move back to the regionalism and be- making trade more vibrant among their own regions than at the global scale so, so yeah as long as region yeah but, uh, but what, are, what does the role of centralization remain like, <coughs> you think would you say that an ideal globalization does not have let's say an international language or international clothing attire i don't feel i don't feel if if the system is central it's equal it's fair we need any central language i think it varies region to region it varies region to region and you know if whenever we go out we buy a laptop and we buy a buy a mobile phone the the manual comes in many languages yeah 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 so with the with the globalization as well it, the manual is not only in english it's in many languages yeah. uh so uh, let's hope that uh, uh those who are those who are leading the process of globalization they are able to realize the importance of local culture and local languages and the people also realizes the importance of their languages and their importance of their culture and a beautiful blend can appear 
I, I don't mind speaking English because if if in, uh, like we are talking now, we are using a medium of uh, English to create knowledge, and it's yeah. a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. Okay, so at the end of it, we are at, at at the end of it, we are creating knowledge and we are spreading knowledge by using the means of globalization. Mm-hmm. So we hope wherever our voice reaches, it creates some awareness. So these yeah. are more divine and more noble objectives uh, than the medium of communication we are using. But eventually, we'll both go back to our individual life, personal lives yeah. after we finish yeah. this interview. And we are we speak the same language which we speak in Pakistan, our local beloved Urdu language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to reality. Yeah, I think I agree. But I, that, that is one thing that I'm trying to understand that since we know and we understand and we realize that globalization has existed for so long in one way or another oh, yes, yes. always yes but in in your in your personal in your experience of study why then would you say that there is a certain certain hostility towards uh, globalization like there's a certain yeah. trend that people don't accept it uh, particularly in those lands uh, particularly in those lands particularly muslim lands which have been subjected to colonialism, there's a natural natural inclination among the people to see anything coming from the West with doubt because of the historical experiences. Okay. So people sometimes from underdeveloped societies who have remained subjected to colonialism and enslavement or they have been subjected to wars and um, um, internal instabilities they are naturally inclined to see anything coming from the West with doubt. Even you see uh, people in in, in my country, they are not even, few of the people in my country, even they are not accepting polio vaccines. And you see, there is a big fraction of people existing today who have uh, not getting vaccines of COVID-19 pandemic and they associate a lot of conspiracy theories with the Mm. COVID-19 pandemic vaccinations. So there always a, a, a certain amount of doubt, paranoia attached with whatever coming from the West, among in particularly among in the Muslim societies. So that's because that's resulting from the their historical experiences. So a certain amount of doubt is always placed uh, on such processes and uh, I think systems. I think that's just fair enough because they have seen uh, in the past they have seen it not turn out very well. So I think that's. Just fair, fair. But uh, what I'm more, uh, if I if I want to just expand this topic and uh, I want to relate it back to the concept of accepting different cultures. So I want to know where is the line? Because when we talk about diversity, we talk, we understand that there will be certain overlap. There will be certain influence of one culture over another. So do you think that when we talk about diversity or when we talk about globalization, different cultures living together, do you think they it's that it's okay for them to overlap and you know maybe adopt each other's values or do you think that theoretically uh, because we we talk about diversity and preservation of cultures so do you think theoretically it is preferred that even though they are living together but their original innate cultures remain intact that's 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 possible as well that's possible as well just look at the uh, you can see the example of how the China is involved in uh, interacting with the Western world and the culture and economic system. China has, is doing a lot to preserve their own culture, especially the particularly the recent censorship they are coming with. 
Mm-hmm. So it's the ultimate desire and intention of the government themselves how far they can go to preserve their own identity. But certain some limited amount of influence will always be there. Yeah. But here in today's world, we see uh, like you just see the example of Marvel movies and the superheroes. Like people are obsessed with that. I I I cannot name a single superhero from Pakistan. Yeah. Can you name any? So you see how even this one thing, even this one yeah. thing, is dominating yeah. the other cultures so so strongly. Mm-hmm. Like I have a lot of nieces and nephews in my home. Everyone has a school bag with the picture of Spider Man on and Hulk on it. Mm-hmm. Like so one of the things I want to show now, because these examples of movies and things like that, they like we can say okay, they are harmless, but. you know maybe there are some things within these movies or within the other ideas that are translated from one culture to another that are not let's just say agreed with that culture so there's a conflict of let's say conflict of morality so in that case theoretically uh, we understand from our previous conversation that the the culture or the morality of the giving or the more dominant nation will usually prevail and we 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 want to preserve it but theoretically speaking if a nation has to make a choice between preserving their cultural values like you talked about the censorships of china so do you think that a, a nation that has to make uh, make amends and make sacrifices let's say because we understand that when they are not when the when a receiving hand is not on par with the giving hand there are certain limitations to the benefits of globalization that they can receive but then once again theoretically would you say that what is more important for a nation to sacrifice some benefits of globalization but uh, but preserve their culture their morality their identity or to go all in and accept the benefits of globalization the answer of that question varies so much and <laughs> it depends on the, uh, the the choice of nations and countries but mm-hmm. what i have observed more recently that uh, sometimes uh, governments make decisions on 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 the in on the economic lines mm-hmm. i hope you get my answer here so mm-hmm. we have a we have a we have a cultural values but we have a big economic incentives and economic benefits so it's natural that governments today they most of the times this is decide more on the economic lines so where they are receiving tangible economic or political benefits mm-hmm. uh, but we do have examples in modern day history where societies have preferred their own values and patriotism uh, it's particularly when it comes to languages uh, but the system and the socio economic pressures and the pressures of world economies are so strong uh, that um, it's very natural uh, to see uh, those in power Uh, deciding in favor of economic benefits true true what i have noticed personally is that only countries or or areas of the world which are economically stable enough that they can stand their ground are the only ones that can preserve their identity yes. so we see china yes. for example uh, this is something yes. i noticed back in the arabian peninsula also that the arabs uh, how, no matter how much you know they expand upon their scale of uh, their scale of uh, development etc but still the arabian civilization usually they will have the arabian attire they'll speak the arabian languages yes. 
usually I see their mobile <coughs> yes. phones and everything yes. is in Arabic also. So I think that's a very good example. That's a very good example. Is a big factor in preserving culture. Yes, that's a very beautiful example you have given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's possible. So we we see, as you have highlighted yourself, we see uh, a combination of many things existing today. When we discuss, whenever we discuss a group, as it's a very broad topic, and uh, it, it's not a single experience. Uh, it's a very diverse and unique experience. Uh, so. we see we see we we see uh, a bit of beauty and a bit of bane in the in the picture when we are discussing it so the, you have highlighted the important examples okay okay so i think the the outlook is is it's uh, even though it revolves around the same ideas it, it it's you know infinitely vague it expands so much and my my personal knowledge on this topic is very limited so like i would just like to maybe wrap this up by asking you to just give me uh, an overview and you know just a, a conclusion a summary of anything you would like to finalize uh, wrapping up this topic uh, yeah i i i uh, i really enjoyed uh, discussing this with you you were a very intellectually very active audience i had uh, for this discussion uh i i since globalization we have discussed uh, world history uh, globalization uh, economic philosophies uh, international relations our discussion was a blend of uh, so many things and yeah. i know in a limited time we cannot cover it all but i hope uh, the, our audience uh, they will definitely enjoy this talk and they will be able to uh learn uh, from our discussion um and that was a very good uh, effort i thoroughly enjoyed talking with you uh, but still globalization is something very big it's more bigger than our imagination and it's now has entered even in a space in form of space uh, tourism and industrialization so we don't know how far the story will go but i want the story to end in a very beautiful happy and equal way for everyone so future generations they do not criticize us and they we leave world in a good shape for them and i hope and i wish in this lifetime i am able to see globalization as a very neutral and equal process for everyone globalization is a very is is a is it's a great thing i think everyone should participate in it to bring benefit to themselves and to others and to create collective happiness so uh, globalization is our choice this yeah. is our choice and we should make good decisions and i hope uh, we we are able to create happiness and uh, comfort for everyone thank you very much for having me all right thank you sir once again thank you so much for joining i am pretty sure that my the audience the viewers and the listeners will also enjoy this fruitful conversation as much as i did thank you so much that was very insightful and uh, i i hope the audience enjoys it as well and with that i think uh, in the inter- uh, i'll end the episode today Thank you so much.